Shalom Mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word, means family. And we're the Mishpocha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people, where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, it's finally come down to form one new man. Getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar, or the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone, everywhere, to hear the good news. We want everyone, everywhere, to be Red hot for the Messiah. I am so excited about this week's interview, and I'll tell you why. There are two moments in my life when I experienced supernatural peace for a long period of time. When I became a believer in the Messiah, at that moment when I became a believer, I went from darkness to light And the peace that I experienced was tangible. It was so tangible that I will never forget it. And it changed me. Whatever that peace was that came into my bedroom, it totally transformed me. Then, about a week before my father, who was an Orthodox Jew who resisted believing in Jesus his whole life, who my relationship was bad to begin with and got worse when I became a believer in Jesus. It should have gotten better, but it got worse uh, because he he didn't like the fact that I believed in Jesus. Uh, And a week before he died, peace came on me. It was on me 24 hours a day for a week. I didn't know why. But it was just on me. There's nothing I did, nothing I encouraged. I liked it, but I didn't know why. And the end of that week, the peace was still on me. And I got a call from the hospital. My father was dying. And I led him. I'll tell you, if my father could become a believer, anyone could become a believer. The peace that was on me went right into the intensive care ward right into the hospital, and I don't think my father had a chance. He had to receive Jesus. That peace was so real. It's just like me uh, uh, 40 years ago. I had to receive Jesus. That peace was so magnificent. So when I met Dennis Clark, he assures me that the peace that I've walked in on those two times, I can walk in 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that would be wonderful. Uh, Dennis Clark, I don't think I could worry about any. And as a matter of fact, I like to say that first time I was talking about when I got saved, I went to bed so fearful, I didn't want to wake up. Life was too hard. And when I woke up, The room was so filled with the presence of God, if I wanted to worry, I wasn't capable of it. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. Because it's it's loving, but it's militant love. It's passionate love, and it's all-encompassing, and it, it wraps around you, and it guards your heart and your mind, like the Scripture says, but it motivates, it guards, it guides, and it truly conquers all circumstances negative, positive. It's, it's All right, that's, that's what it does. But what is it? What is this peace that I experienced and that you experience 24-7? 
That peace for me was the personal presence of the Messiah himself. It was a manifestation of God in me and to me. You, you referred to it outside of you, and it can happen like that, as a, like a mantle. Uh, I've seen unbelievers. No, no, the first time, it was outside of me. Uh-huh. The second time, it was inside of yes, me. Yes, yes. That's the distinctive difference. And that's really what, what we're here to talk about today. It's because I saw unsaved people go to a, a, a funeral and say, I can't put my finger on it, but there's something in this place. But they had not yet met the Messiah personally. But yet they felt on the outside of them like a blanket of comfort that they couldn't quite put their finger on. But the inside, through conversion, is a manifestation of the person of what I call a manifestation of the Prince of Peace. I believe that there are different manifestations of, the, of, of God's attributes. And when I got saved, I met, I met what I feel was an encounter with Jehovah Shalom. Now, you use a Hebrew word, shalom, and most of our listeners know that word, shalom. Uh, it means peace, but it also means a whole lot of other things. Yes. In Israel, it means hello. It means goodbye. It means peace. But you said there's no way of understanding this unless you understand. If you just know the word from the English, you can't understand it. But if you know it from the Greek and the Hebrew, then it begins to make sense. Uh, explain what you meant. Absolutely. The, the Hebrew understood things in terms of, of total concept, of, of all of life, completeness, wholeness, peace, health, healing, welfare, safety, salvation, deliverance, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfectness, a fullness, a rest, uh, a, a harmony or unity, the absence of agitation and discord, total sense of well-being, all things are intact, nothing's missing, no pain, no injustice. Uh, all of these things are in order, they're established. And when I met Jehovah Shalom, I found that I, can, I had situations, circumstances in life that manifested deliverance with his peace. It manifested physical healing with his peace. I saw times in, in, uh, in actually extremely dangerous situations where all of a sudden safety and protection was clearly there. He was my rock and my refuge and that he was but, my but, fortress. But wait a second. What you're describing sounds like most people's description of heaven. It doesn't sound like what we have here on earth. Oh, but the goal was to get heaven on earth through the believer. Thy kingdom come uh, uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, that makes sense. That's one thing significant about heaven. The will of God is being done and there's peace. And the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness is merely to me, it's it's, it's love and action. It's the, it's the, power of God, the presence of God, and love precedes that peace, and peace precedes the perception of the way it really is, reality. You talk about the five G's of peace. Uh, What do you mean by that? Well, for years, I had heard teachings that uh, the ascension gifts were apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and many used to teach that using five G's. And I said, well, that's amazing. Uh, I learned from the Holy Spirit, and I believe a manifestation of the Prince of Peace himself. I learned those five G's by the Holy Spirit, and they're accurate. And 
the scriptural corroboration for each one of them is there, but also there are testimonies and stories of where each one can manifest. Well, explain what you mean okay. by the five Gs. Okay, well, the five Gs, uh, the way it's been standardly taught, was a Apostles have administration or government, the G of government. They govern. Uh, they have that ability to govern. Uh, prophets uh, have the ability to guide and give revelation, directional revelation. And the pastors, well, that P is to guard the flock and to love the flock and to care for the flock and keep them safe. And the evangelist, he goes and gathers. And that's the the the... How beautiful are the feet of them that preach good news. Right. All right. The gospel of peace. And teacher, he grounds us by saying practice makes permanent. And grounding us in the peace of God means that this needs to be practiced as well as encountered and experienced. So that's good to say. But are you saying, are you saying all of these gifts operate through peace? Absolutely. So if someone is walking in turmoil, does that mean the gifts aren't going to operate? No, the gifts can operate apart from the turmoil. But what we'll have is peace stills chaos and anarchy of the flesh. And you can have a highly gifted individual who can move in the gifts and be very gradually living in stress. Matter of fact, this is a major part of our ministry, is finding out that they're not caring for the treasure within properly. The gifts will manifest right through burnout. Uh, now, do you find that uh, 99% of the Christians, including professionals, including pastors, including those on television and radio, uh, do not operate out of this supernatural peace? Not as much as they could. I really believe that we're on the verge of seeing a revolution in the, the spiritual walk in the church. It's going to come to the place where the era uh, of, of the God emotions, as I call them, that's the fruit of the Spirit, are going to rise up and be as easily able to tap into the fruit of the Spirit as we've been in the past tapping into the gifts of the Spirit. Because it's going to be the character and the nature. Because the real miracles and signs and wonders need to be flowing out of the compassion of Jesus. The, the miracles, Jesus was moved with compassion and the healings flow. I believe the healings can flow out of giftings, but I also believe that there's greater substance that's going to flow out of the nature uh, of and the character that God wants to develop within in, in the believers. Explain something to me. I am feeling a silky peace whenever I'm in your presence. Do other people say that? Yes. As a matter of fact, I used to have people that would come up even troubled, even uh, uh, congregation members. And they would come up and they'd say, is it okay if I just stand by you? And I said, Lord, I, that's a nice compliment. But they... well, what's better is when you teach people your principles from your four CDs and your workbook called Power Peace 60-Day Challenge, uh, and they go through this, can they have that same 
radiation of peace where others perceive it. Abs- that's what's more important than Absolutely. you having it. Absolutely. And that's what, what he taught me was he taught me three major principles that he's my deliverer. I am, I am your deliverer. I am, I am your forgiver. And I am, I am your comforter. But immediately he revealed to me that I am your comforter, Dennis, but comfort them with the same comfort whereby you've been comforted is the mission. But the problem is most people haven't been comforted, so how can they comfort anyone else? You can't give something you haven't received. As Jesus said, if if a blind man leads another blind man, wouldn't they both fall in a ditch? (laughs) This is—let me tell you something. This is practical. It's how-to. It's step-by-step. It is a 60-day challenge that will change everything in your life. So you'll be normal. Normal is defined by the Bible. Available for a gift of $35. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. Now, Dennis, on yesterday's broadcast, uh, you were doing an analogy of the various offices, the five offices, apostle, prophet, teacher, etc., evangelist. Uh, and you came up with everyone has this gifting, not maybe the office, but all the gifting because Jesus is inside of us. And you call it the five G's of peace. Explain that. Yes. Uh, experientially in our day-to-day routine, if we would just apply one, the one scripture where it says let or allow, allow uh, God within to rule, well, that's, that's governing. That's G number one. If we would let him rule in a day-to-day routines of our life, we would be walking in the will of God because peace is ruling, and he's the prince of peace. He's the king. He's on the throne. If he's ruling... That's the way to live our life. And we can always grow in our information and how much, but at least we're walking in the light that we have. And the internal sense of his presence and peace means that all things are being in harmony. All the full beauty of the word shalom is being manifested at any given time, even with things and circumstances beyond our understanding. The second G is guide. And in the same verse, Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule. The Amplified Translation says, let it umpire. That means call the shots. That means before you make a decision strictly in the intellect, bear witness to the peace within and let it umpire. Let it tell you if there's peace to go ahead or perhaps it's a red light and a Okay, give me a real-life example in your life of how you used peace as the umpire, and I like that, too. Okay, a serious decision was even uh, originally coming to Charlotte. I had never been to Charlotte before, and uh, God was giving me a direction to come here. Now, I personally, uh, I moved to Charlotte, and I had a fleece. I wish I had had the peace of the umpire. That would have been easier because I hear a lot of people get fleeced when they fleece. Yeah. <laughs> I did not. That was God. But I like the idea of that inner peace versus not having – well, what do you have when you don't have the inner peace? What's the feeling like? 
to me, it's the it's the scriptural feeling uh, of anxiety. Even if it's mild, it's a disturbance. It's a minor chaos. Anxiety to me is modern chaos, and peace conquers chaos, and also it conquers anarchy. That means when your flesh, I want what I want. We hear believers say that all the time. That's not guidance. I want what I want, and I want it now. And they say, I'll have a peace about it. That's false peace right there. That peace that guides is you are neutral to obey God. You don't want to make sacrifices. You simply have a heart to obey him. And that peace will guide you. It will umpire. It'll say yes. It'll say no. You lose your peace when it's a no. There's, even if it's a, a, a perception that you can't put your finger on it, you know it's the absence of peace. And I personally don't want anything to come. Okay, so you that. were ready to move to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- tell me what steps you went to, f- to tell your discernment. Okay. Uh, I, in my mind, of course, I question because I know no one here. I see no logical reason. But the peace, when I says, as soon as I would drop down into my spirit and say, but I want what God wants. And do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're neutral? Neutral's key. Neutral is key for guidance. It's not, I have no uh, predilection one way or the other. I want what God wants. That's the total focus. And then say, should I leave for Charlotte now? And the peace increased. I have lived with it long enough that trial and error has shown me that that has been more reliable in my relationship with Christ than all of the information put together. Okay. You used a term, which I'm familiar with, uh, but our mishpucha are not. You said you dropped down to your spirit. I think now would be a good time for you to explain where the spirit is. Most people can't even answer that question. Correct. Well, it's not in your head, and it's not in the chest. It's not the blood pumper. Very often that's uh, uh, very easy to mistake it. But everything good, your spirit is in the gut, the belly, the bowels. All of the, all of the words that are used are accurate. Belly, kidneys, bowels. Uh, there's even a uh, translate uh, uses the term womb. And it's the gut in our everyday language. And your conscience is there. Your spirit's there. Your will is there, well, and but your wait a second. How can your conscience be there? Shouldn't that be part of your mind? Uh, you know, of what's well, right and what's wrong. Well, the mind gathers data, but the conscience. How many know that when there's something not quite right, you feel it in the gut? That's true. Truth or error, clean or unclean, all of these things can be borne witness. But what we've done is we've lived so much in the mind that even if our spirit is highly active, by not paying attention to it, you gradually pull away your sensitivity as a believer. Do you find that most believers that you have opportunity to counsel that have been believers for a long time have lost their sensitivity? Yes, and I don't believe they all did it on purpose. Of course not. <laughs> last thing they want. That's the last thing they want. But why is it that what you teach is not basic 101 the minute someone becomes a believer. It should be. It's, it should be. And matter of fact, we've had great success with new believers, training them right from the beginning to guard their heart, to teach them what that means, how to guard the heart, how to have dual listening during the day, 
how to how to hear with your mind and your and your five senses, but also to listen with the voice of your spirit to what what it's saying. When a person talks, you hear what they're saying, you hear what they're not saying, and you're hearing the substance that's coming from their heart that's attached to their words, and that is key. Primarily because we've learned to speak faster than we commune. We've learned to say the right answers before we've really communed with the source. And I, I believe God's going to start reversing that. It's going to re, uh, change a paradigm in the church radically because we're going to start living out of our heart instead of our head. And it will renew the mind. It will renew the entire system. I, I want you to counsel me on something that is going on right now that you don't know, or maybe you do. And that is from the second we started the first day of the interview, I felt peace but in my gut, I felt turmoil. I know why. I think I do anyway. Uh, I, I wasn't as prepared for this interview as I would have liked to have been. And yet I'm seeing that I'm getting supernatural help of things I'm not even have in my mind. It's coming out, but my mind is causing the turmoil. Uh, it, it's, I, I'm just telling you what I'm feeling. You tell me what's going on. <laughs> All right. When there's, when there's anxiety in the gut. Yeah. Does not prevent gifts from flowing, but at the same time, to bring the to bring the thoughts in the mind captive to the obedience of Christ, as we've read that scripture before many times, I believe you change location. You take those thoughts. You don't try to do away with the thoughts, but you take those thoughts and you're presenting them within to God within, down in the gut, not in heaven. I believe 98% of the church, when they say God, and I'm calling out to God, they call out in heaven when, it's, when, it, when he's within. And I'm saying the same with thoughts. And all thoughts have a, a corresponding emotion. So if you're feeling anxiety, there's an emotion attached to that thought. What I'm saying is let's take those thoughts captive and change the emotion that's on the thought but, and but, but, clarity but, but, will come. But wait a second. If I'm walking into something and I'm not prepared, it's perfectly logical for me to feel anxiety. Yes. But I really didn't need to because no. I see what's going on. Right. You follow? It's almost right. it's a schizophrenic thing. It's normal to have, have anxiety if you're not prepared. But I see God's doing it all. So <laughs> what should I be doing right now? I don't know, help me. <laughs> Drop down. Drop down means? To go to your spirit. In my gut. In your gut. And yield. Allow or let go, which means I'm allowing him to rule in this scenario, even though I'm not sure. What. So that's what I'm doing. I'm holding on and letting, not letting him lead as much as he wants to. Exactly. Is, could that be true? Yes, I'm afraid so. Uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> it's try. Try is the opposite of what I'm talking about. Try is to totally resist yielding would be an acronym. Uh, so you want me to yield and not do anything but yield? Yes. I mean, that's too easy. I know. <laughs> I know. But when you yield, you fulfill Scripture. It says, uh, Philippians 2.13, it is, it is God who is at work in me to both will and to perform. So I guess that requires the answering the question, who do you want performing? God. 
well, then I have to yield and allow him. It's the grace of yielding to the supernatural. Thousands of people have taken your courses. At the end of 60 days, what can someone expect? Absolute improvement in their daily walk. The key is I've never seen a lack of growth after people taking this course. The only thing that is not instant is maturity. But I guarantee that with this course, I've watched with my own eyes people transform to where people didn't recognize them. They said, what's happened to you and everything in a very short period of time? Not instant, but a very short period of time. The learning scale is just Everyone wants wonderful. something instant, but uh, to me, <laughs> people have gone 20 years and never walked in this 24-7-piece. Uh, so what's a few months? Correct. <laughs> but everyone wants it instant. They want you to lay hands on them, and they'll walk in this piece. Does it work? Well, God told us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, that pretty much teaches us that we need some self-governance. And we can't wait from encounter to encounter. We need to say from the initial encounter, what and how do I cooperate with God moment by moment, day by day? And that's really what this is going to teach. It's going to teach you that initial encounter, no matter how spectacular and wonderful it was, it still needed a continual relationship moment by moment from that day forward. Uh, speaking about a continual relationship, I know a good way for me to uh, uh, to find out if I'm mastering this piece, and that's to be stuck in traffic. But <laughs> that time you were stuck in Manchester, Connecticut, uh, that's what I'm talking about. Tell me about yeah. it. Uh, Jennifer and I had driven 13 and a half hours up to New England. We always traveled so that we'd go churches, church to church. And we were one mile from the destination, one mile from the hotel we were going to stay. And suddenly, you know, tired you are after 13 and a half hours of driving. Suddenly, all traffic came to a dead stop. All eight lanes were blocked off. And we watched the police putting up the yellow crime scene tape. And Jennifer looked at me, and, I, and we're both thinking the same thing. We're a mile from the hotel and a bed. And we said, no, we're going to practice what we preach. And we said, we just closed our eyes right there in the car and yielded to peace. Now, now you had been traveling, by the way, for how long, say, 13, 13 and a half hours. hours. So was it late at night now? Yes, late at night. So you're tired. You're tired. You're worn out. Right. <laughs> and now you got a jam that doesn't move and some sort of yellow tape going around. How did you stay in peace? We basically said, this is the where we live. This is where we've learned everything. As a matter of fact, the first thing that happened is we dropped down and said, we're not going to get involved in this. We're going to him. And when you drop down and the peace ruled, even though our head had not a clue as to what was going to transpire, but, it's, but in abiding in that peace, I felt led. Here's a little guidance. I felt led to move over one car length which is ridiculous with hundreds of cars stalled. And suddenly, all of a sudden, up one single policeman, and quite frankly, in hindsight, I think it was an angel, came now, by. Just out of curiosity, because I know that how this operates with me. If that had been me, and it, we're in a ridiculous situation, um, I w and my wife was with me, I would have said, I think I'm going to change lanes. What do you think? 
Did you do that? Nope. Why? Because I was paying more attention to my gut than my head. I wasn't looking for a second opinion. I was looking for his opinion. And I've learned that when anything came between my peace, my guidance, my discernment, everything goes right out the window. Anxiety brings chaos, and chaos brings confusion, and God's not the author of it, and I don't even trust any decision I come up with. Okay, you changed lanes. Then what happened? And there was only space to change lanes by one car length, and it was, uh, it was right up near the, near the tape, and a policeman came and pulled back the tape, and eight or nine cars were led through And he puts the tape back. What car number were you? I was the last one. You were the ninth? The ninth. And it was was like looking in the rearview mirror. I started to pass a few. So I saw in the rearview mirror just a handful of cars. And the tape was back intact. And we read in the paper and heard on the news the following day that it was closed till 6 in the morning because the police were looking for shell casings. There had been a a highway shootout with the police, and they needed to find the shell casings, so they sealed it off as a crime Well, why would they let anyone through, let alone you as the ninth car? Why would they do that? I can't think of one reason. Can you? I don't either. So so who was it that did it? What was that officer's name? I want his name. What's his badge number? What's his badge? (laughs) (laughs) I believe it was an angel because it was so supernatural. But it was honoring God. You know, I think the key is in honoring God. Going to my peace is basically saying, I want your rule regardless of circumstances. And in honoring him, it says, he that honors me, him shall I honor. And I really feel like that's played out in our lives over and over again. And this could play out in the lives of anybody. If in doubt, and you're in a situation where it doesn't look like there's a solution, why not honor God? Just out of curiosity, though, if that angel, and I believe it was, hadn't opened the way just for your car, just for the the first nine cars of which yours was the ninth, then sealed it up. How long would you have been in that traffic jam? Till six in the morning the following day. This has been like uh, I think it was. About I don't think. 10 How could night. you have handled it? You'd already been driving a day. <laughs> I have no idea. I just know. <laughs> I just know that our passion is obedience, and our passion. For me, obedience is to keep my peace. To lose my peace means something's coming between me and him. How does this work with um, people that have uh, marriage problems? There There was a meeting you had that was so amazing. Actually, it started with Jennifer and I in our prayer time. All of a sudden, and it's our prayer time is rather silent because we're enjoying his presence. It's kind of like soaking in the beginning. Uh, We're kind of contemplatives at heart. And suddenly... Out of curiosity, when you soak and your wife, do you use music or do you just... You don't want any distraction, I guess. Nothing, nothing. No, no. I could do it with music, but I've learned so much more to just enjoy him. Okay. And And it's, again, it's like honor him. And in that event that we were accustomed to for many years, all of a sudden the presence came into the room and we knew, we knew it was God himself coming into that room. And 
we teach that even out of that place of peace, you learn the different attributes and the nuances of God. And when he came in, we both blurted out two scriptures simultaneously. I said, this is when two or three are gathered in my midst. She burst out, this is one accord. And we felt that in his presence, we were being knit together supernaturally. We were already knit together. We already felt like we had a prophetic marriage. We already felt like God put the two of us together for his kingdom purposes, not just for me to enjoy her and her to enjoy me. But this was supernaturally above and beyond even what we felt we had revelation on. This was an expression of anointing of his peace that was tied directly to unity and the bond of peace. And there was a deeper bonding between the two of us. And after that happened, we were shocked, but we didn't know what's, so what's the manifestation? Our very first meeting in Greer, South Carolina, after that, the weight of peace came down. We called it power peace for, power peace for a lack of it, but it was weight. It was a heaviness. It came down in the meeting that we were teaching at, And there was a a huge amount of uh, pastoral leadership teams, ordained men and women of God gathered together. There are probably a a dozen or two. But there were about seven of them that I've never done this before, never done it since. I sat on the platform and was, by the Spirit, was led to point to different people. Some saw me point to them and some didn't, but they all collapsed on the floor. And when they got up, their testimonies were all identical. They said we feel a supernatural knitting to our pastor and to the leadership in this place. It was like a a mini knitting together by the Spirit of God. It was a kind of unity that I had never seen. It was not fabricated. It sounds to me like it's the type of unity that God wants for his body, period. Period. Absolutely. If that were to ever happen... Who wouldn't want to be with, I use the word mishpacha, with family? Right. But if you're moving in the gifts and you don't have peace, I wonder if this bond of peace and the unity of the faith and a deeper knowledge of the Son of God is going to manifest. For the maturity to take place, the supernatural peace, it has to be intact. But how does this affect people's marriages? I know you experienced a level of peace, but does it happen to other marriages? Yes. As a matter of fact, after this, we went to the very next church in New England after this experience. I'm sorry. We're out of time. We'll pick up on this story at tomorrow's broadcast. But Mishpocha, this series is four CDs and a workbook. It's called Power Peace 60-Day Challenge. It's practical. It's simple. Peace is the power missing in your life. It puts every enemy under your feet in every circumstance. If you learn to walk in this peace, every promise of God will be a reality. We're making this kit available for a gift of $35. Call our order-only line. 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. Dennis was explaining that the peace that now radiates between himself and his wife, has as good as their marriage was before, 
it supernaturally kicked into a, a whole new gear. But I'm concerned about not just your marriage. What about other people's marriages? Tell me something. We, for lack of a better term, when we had this experience, we called it a, a, a one accord. And we had people come up to us and say, you and Jennifer have a oneness anointing. And we didn't know what to do with that. But suddenly, we're in a church, and without asking for it to happen, just during like a fellowship time, multitudes of married couples felt led to walk up to us and ask for a prayer. And then we learned that God was doing something with this oneness anointing, this peace uh, deepening relationship, and that when they came, we prayed for them. But then we learned that what we did was we taught them to, uh, for lack of a better term, melt together where they experienced each other spirit to spirit. You'd be surprised how many husbands and wives uh, love each other and they communicate, but they don't commune. Commune is to know one another by the spirit. And that knowledge is increasing and there is actually, providing they're willing to forgive one another, a opportunity to melt into each other and know one another by the Spirit better. Uh, what kind of testimonies did you have at this meeting where this melting occurred? It was uh, in the beginning, uh, they, they just felt like, I don't know why I'm coming to you. I just am coming. And the, the, the best testimony was later when we said, you know what, this works so well. They're just telling us that they wanted prayer and that they felt peace and they felt like they joined to one another. We incorporated it in the marriage seminar later and actually did it to where we had people in the beginning, I think one out of 40, 20 couples, one out of 40 actually felt like they had a good spirit-to-spirit -spirit connection. We basically broke them into a place of learning Christ the forgiver on the inside breaking down any walls of hostility between the two, and then had them come forward. And listen to this. It was 100% in that marriage seminar where they melted together without any walls of resistance or hostility or anything between the two of them. To me, I said, I change from this day forward. All marriage seminars, no more communication, communication. It's going to be communion, communion, communion. You use a, a, a term. You say there is power in peace. Uh, from the peace, we get this power, and it releases destiny. Uh, it releases purpose. What do you mean by that? Well, this uh, the peace, it's, it's like the supernatural interaction that God works with us is I know through peace that there are divine appointments. He, I treat everybody that comes into my life as a divine appointment. And then I cooperate to be a divine connection and have peace with them. Regardless of our differences, I maintain peace. And if it's two-way, it's a connection. Then the connection, and here's what I believe peace is doing. The Prince of Peace, his government is to establish and order and establish. And I see that when his peace comes in a relationship, that he is ordering us to live in an exact place with certain people. There's a certain people. There's a certain place. There's a certain plan that he has for us. And if we cooperate that divine order, 
we are ushering in our fullness of our divine purpose. Our purpose is always corporate. Destiny always includes other people. But without peace, how will we know who those other people are and how will we maximize our potential in reaching our destiny? Uh, briefly, um, a couple days ago, we talked about the five G's of peace. Uh, the first was, uh, you, through peace, you can, the first G was govern. Tell us briefly uh, the first two, and let's finish the other three. Okay. Uh, the first one is govern. And govern means learning, learning to walk in such a way that the peace of God rules in your heart. The Amplified Bible, that same scripture, says, let the peace of God umpire. Umpire means let him call the shots, whether you're safe or whether you're out, whether it's a yes or whether it's a no. And let the peace of God guide you in your decision-making in, in life. And the third is the ability that it gathers, it draws, it draws. Peace uh, is attractive. People, especially troubled people, chaotic people, they're looking for comfort. Can troubled, chaotic people actually feel your peace? Non-believers, can they feel the peace coming from you? Absolutely. But something better than that, we teach them how to get it for themselves. We teach them how to, how to tap in. Have you ever had someone that's a non-Christian say, that peace I feel coming from you, I want that? Yes. And you lead them yes. to the Lord? Yes. What a great way for evangelism. It's, it's tremendous. I'm not uh, 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 the greatest articulate person for evangelism, but I know one thing I've said is when they are attracted to that peace, I say, you know what? God works from the inside out, and you can have the same peace. You're feeling it on the outside, but God can give it to you on the inside. And you, can, and you receive him, and you have peace with God. Then you have the God of peace. Then you have the peace of God. Do, do you find when you go into a, a room of people that because of the peace of God radiating from you, people you have favor with people? I'd say you not only have favor with people. Do, 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 are, do they, are they drawn to you? Sure, sure. They're drawn. We've seen them come up crying in the middle of a mall, unsaved people, and don't even know why. All right, we were... Uh, Going through the five G's of peace, we had govern, guide, gather. What is the fourth? Uh, the fourth one is to guard. To guard your heart and your mind. Peace, guard your heart and your mind. That wasn't meant to be poetry. That was meant to be an encounter. That was meant to be a supernatural experience. When peace guards your heart, you can be in any type of hostile environment and still perceive the exterior atmosphere, but be abiding in peace within. Give me an example. Okay. One time I uh, was working in a halfway house of men that were getting out of prison. And the out inwardly, I had peace. Outwardly, from the place of peace, I discerned the atmosphere got suddenly charged, very evil, very chaotic. Nothing was being said. But it was usually the kind of feeling that I would feel and discern when someone was going to make a break for it or do something. And the atmosphere shifted. And I was standing by the one, one of the doors that was the exit, and one of the men who had failed to take his medication pulled a knife 
and started to move toward me and threaten me to move out of the way he was leaving. And the supernatural peace of God made me feel safe and secure beyond my understanding. And I just knew that I knew that I knew that it was impenetrable. And he so, put the so, knife down. <laughs> you know, I, I'm hearing this story, and I, I know what God has shown me that's going to happen in the future, the chaos in the streets. Can you imagine walking in this kind of supernatural peace, no matter what's going on around? Do you really this, believe that uh, this was, this should be the norm as opposed to uh, uh, a supernatural manifestation that just happens once in a while. Correct. And what better place than a hostile environment, particularly a war zone, if we were going to give them anything of value? Sometimes it's not food and sometimes it's not supplies. As beneficial as all those things are, if we could truly give people in a troubled environment, in a war zone perhaps, comfort that comes from that kind of peace, you're giving them I, I, I know everything. You know what I'm thinking? People are selling uh, 90 days worth of uh, dehydrated food, uh, water supplies. If I had a choice of one thing, it wouldn't be water and it wouldn't be food. It would be the supernatural peace of God. Absolutely. I've, I've even seen it with physical healing that I saw people that were terminal. And even in their terminal illness, the torment seemed to be the worst thing. That they were believers and the, the mental torment, I said, I want to start with bringing peace to them first on the inside. Then let Christ the healer rise up and manifest. The big question is, once they get peace on the inside, do they get healed? Absolutely. I've seen more people. Do you have to pray for healing once they get their peace or does it just happen? Well, that's, that's the ironic thing. I'm wondering what God is trying to teach me. But we pray for the for them to come into that supernatural exchange of peace and deal with toxic emotions. And healing has almost always been the byproduct. All of the supernatural healings we've seen, we never directly asked for them, except perhaps on some occasions, but I can't even remember an occasion where I directly went toward the physical healing. Tell me, tell me someone, uh, let's just pick one. I, I have a list in front of me. Someone that had arthritis in their hands. What yes, happened to yes. her? That was a, a, a woman that was uh, in the hospital, very sick, and she basically uh, had arthritic pain. She was bitter and was told that Christ would manifest as the forgiver. If she would forgive and allow him to forgive through her, and she listened she did it, and as she did one emotional healing, she forgave her mother, and the arthritis right before your eyes straightened out and disappeared. She was forgiving her mother. We were not praying for arthritis. She was forgiving her mother, and the supernatural took place. We've seen this happen on countless occasions. I mean, I mean, almost every condition have you seen healed through walking in supernatural peace? Color blindness, tumors. Whoops, we're out of time. Tell me a couple testimonies having to do with guard. Well, what does guard mean? Guard means to keep you safe, keep you secure, keep you safe 
in his presence regardless of external circumstances. Probably the most noticeable one is we were on a tour with 15 ministers up into the Maritimes. We stopped by a little house group, and there were some people getting saved, some getting filled with the Spirit, and suddenly uh, a, a Mi'kmaq Indian woman burst out into just an emotional meltdown. I want more too, but you don't understand the kind of life that I lived. And she was going hysterical. And they kind of looked at Jennifer and I to go over there. And so we went. And in less than 20 minutes, we prayed her through and, and five clear healings. One, she was uh, molested as a child. She was beat by her father with a belt buckle that left scars. She was sexually molested, raped, and had five or, or several, three abortions, three abortions in her life. All five of those were major traumas. Very few people have ever had that amount of traumas in a lifetime. But this woman cried out, and she wanted more God, but she had all of these things. And we led her through in less than 20 minutes. Now, all of these were major violations of her personhood. Every single one of them were devastating, would be devastating to anybody. And yet, when we taught her how Christ, uh, uh, the uh, forgiver in her, and walked her through all five instances separately, the manifestation was, and she knew I could tell when it changed inside of her, and then we would go to the next one. All of a sudden, she manifested in the room a countenance change, and she says, all around me, I feel the peace of God making me and keeping me safe. I've never felt safer. All of those were violations. Her manifestation was safety and violations. And she jumped up and she says, I can't wait. I want this anointing. I want to go back to the reservation. She saw actually even one of the situations was she saw her son supposedly murdered on the reservation right before her eyes. Mm. And all of these things were, 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 were heart-rending, but the glow on her face and the but the passion in her heart. But she wanted she wanted not just for herself. She wanted, she to do wanted this for others. everyone to be yes, uh, yes to be able to walk in this supernatural uh, peace. That's what you want. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And you know what's so amazing to me that leaders in congregations, pastors, never even understood this. And when you t- you've taught this to some um, um, very well-known people, uh, television Christian television personalities, um, and it's transformed their life. But it can transform anyone's life: a housewife, uh, a, a student, a businessman. What would have happened? I well, I can talk about me, let, let alone you. If when I was a child, I learned to walk in this peace. Look at all the turmoil I could have gotten rid of. Well, this is what Jennifer and I believe. There's going to be a generation I'm going to say, what's wrong with you people? What took you so long to deal with your stuff? Why, <laughs> didn't you know you could go directly to God within and have this stuff dealt with? Okay, we're talking about the five Gs. The fifth one is ground. ground. What does that mean? This is the one that's really near and dear to my heart because to manifest, to manifest 
peace. I know it's the Prince of Peace who orders and establishes. I believe that as rich of an encounter as what we can have in God, that there is a, a progressive way of practicing his presence that grounds us in the reality of it. So in other words, beautiful encounters, beautiful opportunities to impart and experience it, but the greatest truth is having it grounded and established in our hearts and in our lives by practice, practice, practice. And, and that's why you developed the 60-day challenge. Absolutely. This is, uh, others can do this. We've trained little children to do this. And quite frankly, they do a little bit better than the very seasoned believer. <laughs> now, tell me about one testimony you haven't sh oh i've got to hear about uh the uh woman that after she got healed lost 100 pounds oh, that was on the coast of north carolina prayed an emotional healing again not directed toward uh weight loss it was directed toward forgiving i believe it was her mother and wept and cried and said, I've been harboring this bitterness for too long, and this is the first time I've ever felt peace, and notified us later that in a very short period of time, she had lost up to 100 pounds, and the supernatural kept happening. People were out of, uh, people she didn't know were coming up to her and say, I have clothes for you. They were even supplying her with a new wardrobe in the process, and then she turned around and it was kind of like a, a double blessing. We saw her about a year later, and she looked right at my wife, Jennifer, and she said, because you've turned down millions, God will never have you lack in his kingdom in any way. And nobody outside of myself knew that Jennifer had at one point in time turned down millions because she wanted a man of God, not a religious person, not money not safety or provision or security. She wanted a man of God, and she was holding out for that. So I've got big shoes to fill, I guess. Is there, I, I know they need the course. I know we're not, uh, everything is not instant, but I believe there's something you can pray for our mishpucha that will dramatically change them. Would you pray that now? We just pray right now that Father, that the God of peace would make himself manifest, whether you're listening in a car or at home or wherever you're at, right now, that there would be the weight of his presence would come upon you. And as you sense even now the weight of his glory and the peace that surpasses all your understanding, down from the gut, down from the belly, absorb uh, it's subjective, I don't know the exact word, but drink it in, absorb it, welcome it, open to it, yield to it, put up no resistance in the gut, and let God just penetrate you and write the message of peace and his presence, his purpose, his plan for your life on the tablet of your heart. We ask right now that no matter where they're at, no matter what, how negative the circumstances are that right now there will be a supernatural peace that will begin to uh, envelop them and unfold upon them and open your heart to make peace and make yourself available make peace with all people and to pursue that peace and he will make himself available to meet every need every need 
in your life from that place of peace. All, all of the attributes of God rise up on the inside of you according to your need. And in this peace, Dennis, there is power, there is healing. Like, for instance, I saw someone with something wrong with their shoulder. If you'll move your shoulder, you'll see the pain and the discomfort is all gone. Uh, others, their back is being healed. All pain is leaving. Are you seeing anything as far as physical or emotional healing, Dennis? Yeah, I'm seeing, I'm seeing rejection. I'm seeing people that have suffered their whole life with rejection, that the perfect peace of God is moving on you in such a way that it's casting out all rejection. His undivided attention and his desire to make himself known to you, to see you as the apple of his eye. He wants to give you by the Spirit undivided attention. He wants to give you himself, the affection and the attention. And I see people like with holes in the, on the inside of them, and it's the way God sees. And I don't care if your life was like Swiss cheese, all that you needed and never received, God wants to minister that to you right now. He wants to fill that with himself, and he fills every hole with his nature, his divine nature, and you become a part taker. You absorb it. It's engrafted. Drink it in right now. Absorb it. That was the word uh, that uh, when I discipled Jennifer, she kept saying, it's absorbing. It's absorbing. I'm drinking it in. I'm taking it in. I want you all that you needed and never received from people. I want you to drink it right in. Peace is ministering right now. Supernatural peace, the weight of God, is ministering to mental illness right now. There are people that have been troubled, and God's peace is coming and displacing the negative dark powers that have ruled and reigned over those thought processes. His peace is, is, is blanketing and rising up on the inside of the individuals right now and bringing clarity to troubled minds. I just see multitudes of people with troubled minds be receiving clarity. That's going to be the word that's going to describe it. Suddenly, clarity. Suddenly, uh, everything makes sense. Suddenly, uh, this relationship with God was sufficient. Now, I want you to take the 60-day challenge. It's an entire kit. Four CDs and a workbook. It's practical. It's how-to ABC. That's the way I need things. And it is going to put every enemy under your feet. You are going to walk in supernatural peace no matter what the circumstances. We're making this kit available for a gift of $35. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.com. Org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime. 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500.
1-800-227-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.